All right, this morning we are in uh, John chapter 11 here in a few moments. I just want to take a moment to mention that I spoke to many uh, throughout the week, and I know some of you have called, and I try to uh, uh, give give out calls, and Pastor Forsberg calls a lot too, but we are looking forward to the time we can be together again. I want to make a mention of this just because uh, it's a blessing to me to see the faithfulness of God's people in their giving uh, throughout the week. All, every day in the mail and people drop by and, and are faithful with their offerings, their giving, and, and that is, uh, says a lot about the uh, folks in our church. So I wanna just say I appreciate that about you. Uh, John chapter 11, uh, throughout the Bible, there are passages of scripture that contradict our way of thinking. For example, he, uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1, the Bible says the day of our death is better than the day of one's birth. Now, in a time that we exercise, we do all that we can to add more time to our life or more value to our life. We take vitamins. We go to the doctor regularly. We do insane things like eat kale or beets, things like that that... Uh, Nobody likes to do, but we do anyway because we want to live longer and we want to live lives that are healthier. And then we look at that verse and we find the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. Now, today in this passage that we're going to read, we find another one of those scenarios that if we don't look a little deeper, then we might not understand what the scripture is telling us here. Look with me if you've got your Bibles this morning in John chapter 11, verse 1. The Bible says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Uh, It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, uh, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. That kind of seems like a contradiction. It says he loved them in verse 5, but in verse 6, he delayed his help and his aid to them. Verse 7, then after that saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. And goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in that day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Then these things saith he to them. Uh, After that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I might awake him out of his sleep. Then saith his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking rest in sleep. Then, listen to this now, verse 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, and here's the title of our message this morning, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you might believe. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning For these few minutes, as we look at this passage, help it to be an encouragement, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This week, we said goodbye to our dear friend, Dwayne Cruz. Friday was a family-only graveside service, and uh, many were able to speak for uh, uh, about him, and I was grateful to be just a small part of that uh, that, uh, service there. 
uh, it's never been easy uh, to lose anybody, but it made it a little harder even this week. And I know many of you would have liked to be there. And, and of course, we'd all wanted to honor him and we couldn't be there. But uh, during the, during the, anytime somebody goes to heaven like him, I'm reminded of a verse. And this is another kind of a seeming contradiction that the Bible gives us. God says in Psalm 116, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. In other words, God tells us here that as a Christian, the best day of your life is the day you die. How could that be? How could something that's so devastating to us bring joy to God? I find it interesting in our text here that Jesus referred in verse uh, 11 to Lazarus as our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Now Jesus knew that Lazarus was dead, but he still called him our friend Lazarus. There's something comforting in that. Death is not the end of life. Death is not the extinction of being. Even though dead, our friend Lazarus is just as much our friend Lazarus as he was when he was alive. Lazarus in life had been John's friend, Peter's friend, Matthew's friend, and so on and so forth. And uh, Jesus, who sees the dead as clearly as he sees the living, knew that death had not changed anything. And this is encouraging to us. Yet it contradicts our natural thinking. With all that in mind... Look at what it says in verse 14. We read again, then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad. Now this seems like a cruel statement. In light of the fact that he had just called him our friend Lazarus, how could he say this about Lazarus now? How can God look at your greatest heartache and say, I'm glad that's happening to you? That's hard for us to comprehend. How callous does someone have to be who loves you? How callous would somebody have to be to look at something that you're going through? I know you're going through a terrible time of your life, and that makes me happy. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad. Sometimes as a Christian, we're going to experience things we do not understand. We better remember that we serve someone uh, who knows the whole picture of our life in times like the times that we face today. I continually try to gain that perspective and I want to pass that on to you uh, as I see it as well. Uh, in the setting here in the passage that we're reading, Jesus has three dear friends in the town of Bethany. They are siblings. There's two sisters and a brother, Mary, Martha, and then the brother Lazarus. Now, this was someone that Jesus would stay with as he would minister in the area. This was kind of his, their home was kind of his base of operations. He'd preach during the day in the, on the hillside or in the synagogue, and then he'd come and spend the night with them. And I want to look at this family this morning, just a few minutes here. I want to look at three different uh, parts of, of this story, their suffering, their sorrow, and their savior. Now, in their suffering, Lazarus is very sick. His sisters know that Jesus can help them, but he's some 20 miles away, and the, so they send a messenger to get Jesus. Now, remember, this family was very dear and very near to Jesus, and they are suffering. Can I tell you this morning, friend, that nearness and dearness to Jesus 
does not make you immune to suffering. We are dear to him. First John chapter four, verse nine, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And yet here we still are on earth, held here by gravity, and we are uh, not immune to suffering. We're covered in sin and its consequences. And being a believer does not exempt you from problems. No, no, no. This story tells us this, but we see that all throughout the Bible. And if you've been a Christian any time of your life, you know that's true even in your life. Some people today, we call it prosperity, the, the prosperity gospel. That if you uh, are right with God, you'll never be sick. They are wrong. That is not, that does not come from the Bible. Could Jesus have prevented Lazarus from becoming sick? Sure he could have. Uh, but he was allowed, he was allowing this to happen for the glory of God. We see that in verse 4. Our souls have been redeemed, but our bodies have not yet been redeemed. There's lots of reasons that we get sick and that there's death and, and uh, sickness in the world today. It can be discipline. Uh, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that because some people have been taking the Lord's Supper and there was sin in their life that was undealt with, uh, verse 30 says, For this cause many were weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Now, someone has said that God uses uh, discipline or God disciplines in three different ways in our life. He speaks through your conscience. If you will not listen to that, uh, then he uses people to try to reach you. And if you still won't listen, then he uses circumstances of life that sometimes are really, really unpleasant ones. Sometimes our troubles may be God trying to get our attention. And there's not only discipline, but deterioration. It's the second law of thermodynamics. Uh, things don't wind up, they wind down. Things don't gain energy, they lose energy. Things aren't getting better, they're getting worse. Each one of us is closer to death today than we were yesterday. Uh, we are, the human body just by nature is in a deteriorating state. Uh, we don't stop aging just because we get saved. If we did, uh, our church would be filled with a lot better looking people. But uh, there is, that's not the case. We are a deteriorating, we're in a deteriorating body. It can be discipline. It can be deterioration. It can also be development. Maybe God is trying to teach you something in your life. There are no gates so high as to shield the believer from the problems of life. The rain falls on the just, just as it does the unjust. Sometimes God uses these things in our lives to develop us. Amen. Now, Mary and Martha, they had the right idea. They did what we should do. They took their problem to Jesus. Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. Uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He may seem absent, but he is always present very present, the Bible tells us here. Now, Jesus may not give us the answer that we want him to give us. He may not answer the, 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 the prayer that we give about our problems when we want him to answer it. But it will always be in his perfect timing. It's hard for me to say and to even think about in a time like this because I want this all to end. I want this to get life to get back to normal. I'm confident it will be soon. Uh, I don't know when. Uh, but we are just waiting for this to happen. Now, Jesus loved Lazarus, so his sisters probably uh, expected what we expect when we get into trouble. They expected that he would drop everything, go and rent the fastest donkey that money can buy, and rush to their aid, and that's what we expect. Instead, Lazarus is dead. 
and I am glad? And then there was two days of a delay. Can you imagine how confusing this would be to the ladies? Delay is a tough thing. Could Jesus, by the way, have healed Lazarus? Of course. He could have healed him from where he was. He wouldn't have even had to go there. He did it before. He could have just spoken the word and Lazarus would have been perfectly well. But Jesus did not heal Lazarus. Listen now, don't miss this because he wanted Lazarus to die. Lazarus is dead and I am glad, he says. Why? Because God would get greater glory from the resurrection of Lazarus than he would from the healing of Lazarus. Verse number four again. Regardless of Jesus' reasoning, Mary and Martha don't know this yet. And so they're forced to watch Lazarus waste away and die. They're forced to prepare his body for burial and to lay it in a tomb. They're forced to feel pain and heartbreak and sorrow. They're forced to live in an, an impossible situation. I don't know about you, but this time that we are in right now seems like an, a, a long, stretched out. How, how long did March seem? And how long is April stretching along? We don't like delay, but that's how it goes sometimes. You bring your problem to the Lord, and all you get in return seems to be silence. They had sent for Jesus, and each day they watch the incoming road, the driveway to their place, and nobody shows up. You call on him, expecting him to answer your prayers, and all you hear is nothing. In fact, sometimes the problems get worse. The situations turn desperate. That's what happened to Mary and Martha. Here's what we must remember in times of divine delay. The Lord is able to see what the sisters and the disciples could not see. Don't miss this. He's able to see beyond the crisis. He's able to see beyond the problems and the pressure. He can see the other side of pain. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've experienced God's delays. David experienced them. Psalm 69.3, he says, I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. You ever been there? My eyes fail while I wait for my God. God uses these times to teach us to trust him more fully. It's not easy to wait, but we are expected to do so without grumbling. Philippians 2.14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. When God brings delay into our lives, we need to learn to trust him more fully. We need to submit to him more completely. After all, as we've been saying all along this, and I believe it to be true now, just as much as two months ago, God is in control. As a reporter, a reporter came to Mrs. Mrs. Einstein and asked her if she understood the theory of relativity. Mrs. Einstein said this, No, I do not know the theory of relativity, but I know Albert, and he can be trusted. In that interesting statement, we may not understand what we're going through. We may not understand all of our circumstances, but we do know him. And I can tell you, friend, he can be trusted. Amen. Lazarus did die. And the Bible says that Jesus was glad. Did Jesus get it wrong? No, he 
actually didn't say that Lazarus wouldn't die when he talked to the disciples. He knew that death wouldn't be final. Praise God. We can say the same thing. Death is not final for us either. My death may be fatal, but it will not be final. Just as Jesus conquered death for himself, he did it for us as well. He is the first fruits of the resurrection, and we are the fruit. So that was their suffering. Look along with me also at their sorrow. Mary and Martha sent for Jesus, but before he arrived, Lazarus died. When Jesus got there, finally, late, they thought, they were all in mourning. Lazarus' body was already in the grave. What Jesus did next is one of the most famous incidents in history or in the Bible. It's one of the most revealing things also to show us who he is. It's interesting when these sisters come to Jesus, they both come with the same problem. They come with the same exact complaint, but Jesus' response is totally different to each one of them. When Martha speaks to him, he almost argues with her. Here's what they say, Lord, if thou hast been there, here my brother had not died. So Martha comes to him, he comes back at her. Her message was, you came too late. He, his reply to her, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. I'm never late. Resurrection of life can't be late. With me, with me, I'm always on time. Her heart was full of despair and Jesus almost, well, he kind of rebuked her doubt by trying to give her some hope. Then he sees Mary. She says to him exactly the same thing. His response to her, though, is completely the opposite. He doesn't argue with her. In fact, he doesn't say much of all. The Bible uh, records for us that he burst into tears and asked, where have you laid him? There's a vast different response there in, in Jesus to these sisters, and it shows us much about his character and about his identity. Jesus is both God and he is man. We see both in this encounter with the ladies. Only God can give life and take it away. Now, Jesus regularly made claims about his being divine, his being God. In Luke chapter 20, he talked about seeing Satan fall from heaven. In Mark chapter 2, he showed us that he had the authority to forgive sin. In John chapter 8, he claimed to be older than Abraham. In John 14, he claimed not only to uh, have the truth, he claimed to be the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't it interesting? The founders of every religion, uh, they tell you, I am a prophet and I'll show you how to find God. Jesus said, I am God and I have come to find you. It's a big difference in Jesus Christ and anyone else uh, who claims to be the truth. When Jesus meets Martha, we get a, a glimpse of his deity and his power. He is God, but it doesn't end there. The next moment, we find him weeping, sharing Mary's grief. Here we see deity joined, if you would, to human vulnerability. His love results in his weeping. It's interesting to see the different responses to these two women. It helps us understand that God, Jesus, is divine, yet he is human, and he gives us exactly what we need. It's what we need during this time. Jesus gave Martha, you could call it the ministry of truth, uh, that's what she needed most at that time. It's almost if he grabs and shakes her and tells her, listen to me, I'm here, I'm resurrection, I'm life. Then he gets to Mary and he, we could call what he gives her the ministry of tears. This is what she needed most at that moment. Everybody, 
You, I, we all, at some point in our life, need a ministry of truth and a ministry of tears. Jesus Christ is tender when he needs to be tender. He's strong when he needs to be strong. Throughout the New Testament, you see this all, uh, all throughout his ministry. He's approachable to the weakest and the broken. Uh, he is fearless when it comes to the corrupt and the powerful. He has tenderness without weakness. He has strength without harshness. That's how he responded to their suffering. And lastly, not only their suffering, their sorrow, but their Savior. Look at verse number 38. The Bible says, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and the stone lay upon it. He's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. This word groaning is an interesting one. It comes from a root word that means to roar with rage. Who or what is Jesus angry at? He's not angry at the family. Jesus is raging against death, I believe. Uh, he does not say, just get used to it. He doesn't say, everybody dies. No, Jesus is looking squarely at our greatest nightmare, the loss of life, the loss of a loved one. He is completely opposed to evil and suffering. Don't forget, evil and suffering are the results of sin. Sin was not part of God's original design. The question is often asked, why doesn't God stop it? Why doesn't he just appear on earth and remove all evil? Hey, why doesn't God just say the word and coronavirus is cured for once and for all? This question reveals a lack of self-awareness. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 tells us what's wrong with the world. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So much of the misery on earth is due to our own sin, our selfishness, our pride, our anger. Can I tell you, friend, today, if Jesus came to earth with the sword of God's wrath against evil, none of us would live to tell about it. But Jesus did not come with a sword in his hand. Jesus came with nails in his hand. He did not come to bring judgment. The Bible's clear. He came to bear judgment for us. It says in John 3.10, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He loves you more than you can imagine. Uh, look at what the witnesses say here in verse number 35 and 36 when the Bible says Jesus wept. Then saith the Jews, behold, how he loved him. But in reality, it's how he loves us. Oh, dear friend, listen, much more important than a virus much more important than any physical circumstance. Much more important is your spiritual condition. Are you ready to meet God uh, face to face? Have you got your eternity squared away? Do you know that you know that you know that if something happened to you right now, you'd be in heaven? Now that's much more important. The Bible, in fact, Jesus said at one point not to fear those that can hurt the body. Fear that uh, he that can hurt the soul. And we need to make sure we have our priorities right here. When is all of this over? I don't know. I can't tell you when that will be. But I do know one thing. I can tell you that we serve a loving God who knows all. He loves us and we can trust him. He said in this passage, Lazarus is dead and I am glad. The Lord was not glad because Lazarus was dead. That would have been heartless 
in view of the sorrow of his sisters, or the uh, Lazarus sisters. Listen now, don't miss this. The Lord was glad. He could only say Lazarus is dead, and I am glad because he knew the outcome of the story. He knew the last chapter. He knew how it would all end. And friend, he knows the outcome in what we're going through now as well. Amen. I was talking to Pastor Forsberg the other day about this, <coughs> about this, uh, this message here is preparing. And he reminded me of one of my experiences in life that was really quite amazing. Years ago, I was flying from Detroit, Michigan to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And it was a dreary, dark uh, damp, cold day, drizzling rain, you know, one of those just really nasty days that we were going through, and it was late fall. As the plane took off, I'm looking, I'm sitting by a window seat, and I'm looking out the window and just watching the, just the dreary earth fall away from me as the plane lifts, and then something fascinating happened. We Have you ever risen through clouds? All of a sudden, you see nothing but fog outside the window. And then we broke above the clouds, and there was a brilliant sun shining out over a field of what looked like cotton. I don't know if you've ever seen something like that, but it's almost like you could jump down and just fall into it, and it would be, you wouldn't, you'd fall through, but it looks like you would fall into a cottony bed. I want you to remember this, my friends, when your perspective is a dark and dreary one. God sees the other side. He right. sees the sunshine. Right. Don't be discouraged. Don't let the dreariness of your circumstance right now steal your joy. God sees beyond it. I don't. But he says here in our passage, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. If we look at that, we could really question the... The, uh, the, the pity of Jesus or the compassion of Jesus. But he could say that because he can see the whole picture. That's the only way he could say that statement. Lazarus is dead and I am glad because he saw the whole picture. Why not today, friend, put your trust into one who knows all and loves you. You can trust him through any time. Father, we're thankful for this day. I do wish that today we could all be together, but again, you know the time and you are in control. And I pray, Lord, that we would not allow our circumstance to rob us of our joy of Christ. Help us to trust in you who knows the outcome of this current trial we're going through. Not only that, you see beyond and much beyond that. Help us, Lord, to have eternity in perspective as we deal with these daily issues of this virus condition. I pray, Lord, that you'd help each and every one of our church families to be encouraged today in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.